0: I'm so glad to be together with you and worshiping our Lord and Savior together. If you're a guest with us, uh, let me add my welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here and hope that you've already been blessed as we've sung together and prayed together, been reminded of who God is and what he has done for us in Jesus. And trust that you'll continue to be blessed as we continue to gather now. Uh, Under his word. If you have your Bible, please turn to Ecclesiastes 4. You're like, I thought this was a series on the church. It's true, it is. Um, And we won't really be totally dealing with this text. We'll be mentioning several along the way, but this is kind of where we'll start, Um, is in Ecclesiastes 4. Uh, This week, we're actually wrapping up our series on the church. So if you are a guest with us, Sorry, in a way, because you're coming in on like the very last day of a very meta series where we're like being the church and then talking about what it means to be the church. And today we're talking about intentional partnership, and that's going to be kind of a two-pronged approach, why you should want to be intentionally partnered to, connected with a local church through membership, and then also why you should want to be part of a church that is intentionally connected to, intentionally partnered with other churches. So that's the main thing we're going to be talking about today. And to help get us there, we're going to be reminded that life under the sun is bad. Um, That's basically what's happening in the book of Ecclesiastes. The preacher is saying life under the sun is bad. Even the good things end up bad. Um, And even the heading that I have here in my Bible for Ecclesiastes 4 is evil under the sun, right after the previous heading of From Dust to Dust, and you're like, I think we need to sing, Oh God of Mercy, Hear Our Plea Again, along with headings like The Vanity of Wealth and Honor, and you're like, okay, what are we doing here? And so it's a reminder that in the difficulty of life, it's even more difficult if you're alone. And that's kind of the point that we're going to pull out of here and consider together today. So. If you look at verse 7, we'll start in verse 7 of chapter 4. The preacher says, Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. He doesn't even have people to take care of and he still has to work all the time. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity. Vanity. is not quickly broken. That's the word of the Lord. Let's thank him for it. Father, we thank you that you have spoken to us in your word. And we thank you that you have spoken to us about the realities of life in this world, life under the sun. We thank you that you have already moved us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son, where we will experience light and life forever. And so would you help us today to see what you want us to see, and as we reflect on what it means to be the church and be connected to the church in a meaningful way, would you help us? Would you guide me? Would you help me to say what I should and not what I shouldn't? Would you uh, help each of us who is listening, who's taking this in, to engage with you and think about our engagement with one another because of what we have together in Christ and where we need to repent, where we need to change, where we need to do things differently than we're doing them now, where we need to think differently than we do about when we walk in to the building on Sunday? Um, would you... Give us grace to turn and to follow you and to trust you. And so, Spirit, would you come and help us? Would you do what only you can do? In Jesus' name, amen. So two are better than one. Like he's saying, woe to the one who is alone. And of course, the preacher here didn't have precisely in mind the church and then church church connections, but the principle holds true. Everything is harder when you are alone. And so in some ways we think, well, that's why if I'm single, then I've got to get married. And that's not really what it means, because that's not where the New Testament goes with that, right? In many ways, Paul actually says, I wish everyone was like me, and by which he meant single and free to with single-minded, wholehearted devotion, love God and love other people and not have to worry about stuff. He says the one who's married has to worry about his spouse and worry about what they care about. Now, there's many of us who would testify that that's, that's a good worry and we're glad to do that and that's a gift too. But this is not a text about singleness and marriage. That's not the kind of aloneness that the preacher here in Ecclesiastes is saying. You better not have that kind of aloneness because you can't make it. What we find in the New Testament is a community. A called out community. A community built on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who have become brothers and sisters for real. And in some cases with closer relationships in that family than in our earthly family family, because God has made us one with him and with one another through Christ. And so the big idea this morning, kind of building off that idea, is this. We should be meaningfully connected to Christ's church. We should be meaningfully connected to Christ's church. Now, is it possible to grow in grace, to grow in Christ? When you are not gathering regularly with the church? The answer has to be yes, because sometimes there are Christians who are imprisoned for their faith and they're all alone. They don't even have a Bible with them. And that's a good argument for scripture memorization, so that even when you don't have a physical Bible with you, you can call to mind God's words to you and what He has said. So it is possible in extreme circumstances, to grow apart from the church and apart from the Bible. But it is also, generally speaking, for almost all of us, it is not God's plan for us to grow apart from the church and apart from the Bible. We should be meaningfully connected to Christ's church because we are better together one way we live out God's saving plan for us is by being meaningfully connected to Christ's church. And so we're going to explore that on those two levels, the individual Christian being meaningfully connected to a local church and the local church being meaningfully connected to other churches. We're answering some questions today. Why should you want to formally connect with a church? And why should you want to be part of a church that is formally connected with other churches. So why partnership? Why partnership? There's three reasons and we'll kind of add a fourth or the fourth won't end up on the screen. But we can do more together than we can do separately. A church can do more together than an individual Christian can do. And a group of churches can do more than any one church can do. We can do more together than we can do separately. We can learn from one another. Right? We can read our Bible, and have you ever read your Bible and come to a wrong conclusion? I have. And you're ready to act on that wrong conclusion and someone a little further along in the faith, or maybe not even as far along in the faith, but reading their Bible and going, I don't know that that means that you have to go and do that right now. Or that you shouldn't do that. I think that might have meant something a little different than that. You can go, oh, okay. Right, right. So we don't want to do that alone. You end up with some really weird interpretations. And sometimes very, very wrong and dangerous, harmful interpretations. If you do Bible interpretation all by yourself. Okay? And if you think you have found something that no one has ever found in the Bible before. You have not found something that is in the Bible, okay? Um, People have been studying this book closely for almost 2,000 years. Now, does that mean everyone's favorite scholar always gets everything right? Also, no, okay? And it's one of the reasons that we do this in community, that we do this together. We can learn from one another, And then there are also just practical ways we can learn from one another when we face a situation that we've never faced before, but our friends 300 miles away that we're connected with and we can just send them a message and we know they'll send a message back and we can call and if they can't pick up in that moment, they'll call back because we're meaningfully connected to one another. Those are really good moments to be connected, right? It's like, I don't know what to do about this. It's like, oh, we had that same kind of thing happen just a few years ago. And it's not the exact thing, but here's how the Lord met with us. And here were the principles from God's word that helped us. And so even as, as leaders in the church, working as a team, it's better to have uh, you know, four pastors than, than one. But even then, there are things we haven't faced as a team before that other teams can help us with. We can learn from one another individually and as a church. But we can also lean on one another. We can do more together. We can learn from one another, and we can lean on one another. And that gets back to this text in Ecclesiastes, right? Woe to the one who's alone when they fall. Right? It's like the, the ads in the 80s. The way to not be alone was to have the lifeline, or what, I forget what it was called, right? And there's the, the, the old man said, I'm having chest pains, right? And the woman says, I've fallen, and I can't get up, right? So there's some of you who are older than, oh boy, how old do you have to be to have seen those? Yeah, so everyone who has some gray in their beard or their hair or something like that has seen those ads. They were still showing some of those, right? Can we do a show of hands? How many of you have seen that ad? Okay, I feel a lot better. Thank you. Thank you for that. Right? And so that was this life alert or whatever it was. It's like to help you know. Right? And now you can, you, there are other ways to try to do that. And that, that company has probably gone out of business or maybe not, but it's better if you fall to have someone right there, right? To help you get up. And there's sometimes you're not even really hurt, right? It's not the big one where the hip's broken and this is the end. It's just like, I can't get the angle. <laughs> I can't get up, right? And if you just had someone else there, it's like, you can get up. And so it's better to be together. We can lean on one another because there are sometimes we like to think we're strong and we can do it. And we're strong enough for whatever life faces, and we have Jesus with us, and we do. And if you're forced to be alone, Jesus is enough. But one of the ways that Jesus is enough for us is through his people. Through our family. Because we'll have that news that now we can't stand. All right, The knees are weak where they've never been weak before. We experience that loss, and we tell ourselves we're fine, and we tell everyone we're fine, but we're not, and we need one another. We can do more together than we can do separately. We can learn from one another, and we can lean on one another, and we'll, we'll see that those are true, both individually connecting to a church and for churches connecting with one another. So kind of teasing those out a little bit, let's start with being connected to a local church like this one. And in some ways, we're really building here on everything we've done in the series so far. Way back, and you don't have to remember this. I even had to look up some of this, just if it makes you feel better, okay? We are God's people, right? The subtitle for this was God's plan for his people. We are his through the grace of Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice on the cross in our place. We belong to God. And we don't just like belong to him now. We belong to him forever. And we will be with him and all his people forever. Where there is no more sin, sickness, sorrow, loss, pain, or death. Because Jesus took the pain of death and hell for us. He will come again. And he will judge the living and the dead. And he will usher in the age to come. We are the people of God. We're also the bride of Christ. We are loved by God, not because we are lovely, not because of any quality in us or any good thing about us, but just because he loves us. In his love, Jesus gave his life for us. And the triune God makes us holy and sustains us day by day. That is who we are because Christ, but we're also the body of Christ, connected vitally to the head, to our source of life, and also to our leader who tells us where we should go and what we should do when the body is working properly and connected to one another. A big part of that picture in the New Testament is about the different parts, different parts of the body playing their role. And the point isn't, again, is not to figure out whether you're a nose or a pinky toe, right? It's whatever God has given you, whatever roles, whatever ways to serve one another in the body. The point was more about how resources go to the part that's hurting, right? Just like in our bodies, when we stub a toe or hammer a thumb, right? There are resources that go, and you can actually watch the resources arrive, along with the pain that you feel, trying to help. And by God's grace, that's what we want to do and be as the body of Christ. When all the parts are working together properly, they work together so that the body is built up. And we are the family of God by His grace alone. Again, not because of anything in us. We have God as our Father. We have the privilege of praying the Lord's Prayer and saying, our Father, not because of our birth, but because of the grace of Jesus Christ for us. We have God as our Father and Jesus as our brother who brings us into the family. And since we have the same Father, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we care for one another, we look out for one another, we bear one another's burdens as the Apostle Paul says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And Christ has given us a commission to make new disciples, new followers of his from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation, and also to mature together as his followers, growing in our obedience to his commands while we wait for him to come again. He's also given us different roles in the church as leaders and members, but for all of us, to use the gifts that the Spirit gives us in humble service to one another for Christ's sake. That's what the church is, and that's what the church is supposed to be doing. And so today we're thinking about us being a part of it. Because there's sometimes we can think, we can be somewhere even for a while and we can go, this is how your church does this. Or is the church going to do something about that? And it's like, well, what is the church? Right? And we've talked about it a lot in this series. It, it's us. And so, yes, there are things that we do officially. Right? There are benevolent funds that are gathered and then distributed. Right? So there are things the church does as an entity. So that is not a bad or wrong question where it becomes a bad or wrong question is when it becomes, I'm here, in theory I'm part of this, I don't want to do anything about it. What is the entity going to do about it? Does that that make sense? And so I love it when even this week I had someone asking, is the church going to do something about this? And they were wanting an official thing to happen But they were also saying, we're the church, and I'm I'm all in on this, right? It's like, bring me that conversation every day of the week, right? When someone's like, I see this need, I see this way, we need to grow. How can we do this? That's an entirely different approach than saying, oh, your church does that, right? But there's sometimes we want to like kind of separate ourselves from the group to be able to point out something that's difficult. It's good to point out things that are difficult. That's how we see and how we grow, right? But let's do it in a way where we're saying, we're in on this. We're together. We're ready to make the sacrifice, right? And, and we've talked about this also. That's how many new ministries get started here. It's like some of the things we do. It's some, one of our members saying, I see this weakness. I see this lack. Or I have this gift and we don't do anything in this area. Can I help start something? Can you help me start something? What is a good thing to do with this gift? And we love getting those kinds of requests as the elders of the church and saying, yeah, come to one of our meetings and let's pray together and let's, let's hear your initial pitch and let's talk about it and let's get that going and let's support it and announce it. And do you need funds for that? We're eager to do that. And that's entirely different than a situation that happened. I'm so glad I can say it came from, uh, it was in a different church. It was not here. So for me, this is a long time ago since we've been here 15 years. But at another church where I've been, there was someone who came and said, our church is weak in soul winning. And if you're not familiar with that expression, don't worry about it. Okay, but but they, they were saying, we're, we're, our church needs to grow, which is fine to identify ways our church needs to grow. Our church needs to grow. We've, none of us ever better pretend that it doesn't and that we've arrived, okay? But they came and said, our church needs to grow. We need to get better at telling people about Jesus and going out into our community and telling people about Jesus. And the senior pastor at the church then heard that and was like, yeah, that's probably true. We need to grow, this person even had a great idea. We should do weekly, like Saturday morning, 10 o'clock. We gather people to church and then we go out and we go out and we knock on doors and we tell people about Jesus. So again, nothing wrong with anything so far, okay? After we'd been doing it for like, I don't know, a year, a bunch of us going out every week and knocking on doors and awkwardly trying to talk to people about Jesus, Guess who never came? Not even once. I'm so thankful I don't know who that person is. But in a moment of discouragement, my senior pastor there was like, yeah, we started this thing, and it's because someone said we need to do this, and it's and it's like, yeah, it's important. And I've never been been here. He was so discouraged. Right? What did that person want? Did they want to grow in telling people about Jesus? No. I think they wanted to be able to tell people that they went to a church that did that sort of thing. And you go, What? And you're like, that's real. It's not made up. <laughs> and I'm thankful. That the story here so often is, here's a way we need to grow, and here I am to help. I know I can't do it all, but do you agree that this is an issue? <laughs> and here I am. And so for you, as you experience, because every one of you, if you're here for very long, you'll experience ways we're not all that we should be. And if you haven't been here long enough for that, keep coming. And we never want to use that as a cop-out, right? And here we go, well, you guys messed up on this. Wow, everyone's a sinner. That's not the Christian response to that, right? The Christian response is humility and repentance and wanting to turn away and from that wrong way of thinking or acting and toward righteousness and toward what God calls us to be and to do as the church. And so if you're seeing that, if you're going like, hey, we don't do this, and maybe we should. Maybe it's, well, we don't have the resources right now, but we'd like to support you in something. Sometimes, and I'm kind of skipping ahead because this will get to how we connect with others, right, it's like, well, we can't run that ministry ourselves. We don't have the resources, but here's another ministry not far away from here in our own part of the city where, hey, already, like a bunch of our members are over there and serving and giving their time through the week at Grow Northeast, That's not an official ministry. We're not big enough or resource enough and our building isn't really ideal for the kinds of things that they're trying to do. So instead of like building an addition and spending a ton of money to do a ministry, it's like, well, where's a ministry that's already doing what our heart is toward and how can we direct people that way? So that's another way that partnership happens for us. But that So many things have started from you. From you saying like, I have this burden that I think is from the Lord and is our church supposed to be part of this? And that's good. Keep coming with that. Not this week because we'll be away. But come to me next Sunday. (laughs) Or set up something for the week after that. I have some openings and I would love to meet with somebody who's like, here's the way our church is weak and I would love to help. We love those conversations because even with having, oh, we have four pastors. Well, when we meet, guess what? There's a whole lot of wisdom in this church that's not present in our meetings. And God has called us to a specific role and we want to carry it out in submission to Christ, but along with you all. And so maybe even the word membership isn't the... The best way to think about church, because sometimes when you think about membership, that's like a place where you pay dues. So, oh, i give given the offering. That's sort of like the paying dues. Okay, great. And then after you pay your dues, you get benefits. Right? I'm a card-carrying member, so I get discounts at this place and this place and this place. And you owe me this on this date. Right? I'm here for the benefits. And sometimes that's how we can think about church, right? When the costs, what I'm being asked to invest, outweighs the benefits. It's like, I need to find a better investment to make, right? It's Like, this isn't, this isn't good. I need something where the benefits outweigh the costs. That's a good membership program. And so maybe membership isn't even the right word. Um, so I brought a couple books today. Tom Rainer wrote a small book called I Am a Church Member, and he's trying to fight in that book the country club mentality. That's how he talks about it. I was thinking more of like Sam's Club or something like that. You get to go there, um, and maybe you get some benefits. You get the samples. Are they doing that again? We don't have a Sam's membership. Yes, they're doing it again. Good. This is not an ad for Sam's. But he's trying to help people think through what does it mean to be meaningfully connected to a church and maybe membership, even though that's the word and we're not going to stop using it here, I don't think, unless, yeah, it's like, we can stop using it. I'm not announcing that we're stopping using it. I haven't talked to anybody else about it yet. And I'm not super concerned about changing the word, just like I'm not super concerned about uh, people saying, like, I'm going to church on Sunday. And it's like, no, 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 you're going to gather as the church on Sunday. It's like, it's fine, okay? But maybe a better word is is partnership, right? Then when we're we're coming and we're saying, I'm going to join, we're like, you should join the church. What does it mean to join the church? Is it that now you get benefits that the other people sitting next to you who haven't joined yet don't? Not really. It's you saying, I'm in, I'm here, and I'm committed. I'm willing to be a partner. Now, there are things that come, right? And the, the friendships that develop as we're walking together through things over the years together are sweet. And so there are benefits, but they're not always tangible. And they're not always tangible immediately. And so maybe we can think of church connection more like partnership. We're in this. We're, and we're in this together, right? We're making commitments to one another, not just I pay my dues and I get my benefits, But why should we be together? What is it that we need? And so just a few things here as we're thinking about this. Being partners with a local church, saying, I'm in. I'm going to join. I'm here. Why would we do that? Well, we need a place to be reminded of who we are in Christ through the gospel because we quickly forget. That's why we're better together, right? Because, And it's all of us. It's not like, well, I never forget and that's that's why you should be so glad I'm here for you. That's not it. We all forget. And we all need to be reminded. When we come in to gather on a Sunday, there are days we come in ready, it's great, I'm ready to worship. I'm ready to get my worship on today. Whatever that means. And then there's days we come in it's like I can barely get through the door, but I know I need to be here. Because God does meet us here, not because like you get points for attending church, but because as you gather, God meets with you maybe even ways you didn't even anticipate to bless and encourage and build up through what's planned from up front, but then through what happens in those Unplanned moments of encouragement and prayer together before, not really before, but after we gather together. We need a place to be reminded of who we are in Christ through the gospel on Sundays, but then through the week, through Bible studies, through small groups, through the relationships that we build there. We need that reminder. But also, we need the accountability that Jesus describes. We talked about this last week and church discipline and what that means and if that's a scary word for you and you didn't hear the sermon last week please listen to last week's sermon. We don't mean it to be scary. It's actually that we need that kind of accountability. Hebrews 3:13. The author there says that we should exhort one another day by day, every day, so that none of you is hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We can forget what God has done for us in Christ, and we can forget what it means for us to follow him. And we can be tempted to go off the path. And part of what we do as the church is say, here's the path. Let's walk on it together. And when we're alone, we can go off the path and there's no one to tell us. When we're together, we start to go off the path and other people say, come on back. And it might be the next week you need to tell that person to come back (laughs) in a different way. It's not like here's the people who are really good at the path and they're always just pulling everyone else back. We're all tempted to go off the path and we pull each other. The two that are together here in Ecclesiastes 4, each of them can fall, but as long as they only fall one at a time, they can help each other get back up. So we need the accountability that Jesus describes. We also need a place to use the gifts that he has given us. God has given you gifts from the Holy Spirit. And they are not for you. Like usually when we think about gifts that we get, like I know there are some people in my house who are already anticipating Christmas and we have some birthdays that are super close to Christmas, which is complicated to pray for us. And I know some others of you are in the exact same, like literally the exact same uh, situation. Um, and so it's, it's challenging, right? It's like, wow, you get all your gifts in like one shot. And then it's like, I just want this. And it's totally random and not really something they should want. And, but it's, well, we have to give you something. But we don't. So anyway, pray for us on that. When we think about gifts, we think about things for ourselves. Right? And generally speaking, it's like, okay, we're giving you a Christmas gift. It's like, it should be something that they want. You know? Right? Kids reach a certain age. It's like, we got you some great clothes right? Thankfully, we're kind of at the point where it's like, you got me some great clothes. It's like, so we're in a sweet spot like that for gifts in our family. But we think about gifts as for ourselves, right? A gift is something God gives me and I enjoy. And oh man, the gifts are so good from God, aren't they? He gives us so many really good gifts. And he gives us spiritual gifts, not for our own benefit, all the other gifts really aren't for our own benefit ultimately either. They're for others. And we get the best out of the gift when it's given away, when it's passed on, when it's used. And if you look at the lists of the spiritual gifts in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, you look at those discussions that Paul has about spiritual gifts, you see that that list it's all about using those to serve other people. What good is the gift of mercy by yourself? <laughs> right? It's great that you get mercy, but that's not what the gift of mercy is. <laughs> right? What good is the gift of giving by yourself? What good is the gift of exhortation? And there are times you need to exhort yourself, but there are times that you are meant to exhort others. And the only way they'll listen to you and the only way you'll know is if you're walking together with them in genuine community with meaningful connection. We need a place to use the gifts he has given us because the gifts are not only for ourselves. Tightly related to that one, we need a place to live out all those New Testament one another commands that we see. There are so many commands, right, to love one another, to exhort one another, to encourage one another, to build up one another. Again, those are like literally impossible to do by myself. I, I can't do that on my own, just having a great Bible time, me and Jesus. Even my great Bible time, me and Jesus, is meant for other people as I learn to love God and my neighbor more. And one of the very important places that that happens is the church. one another commands, but also the pictures of the church that we've described, the body of Christ, the family of God. Because at the end of the day, we need to serve and be served. right? There's things we need from the church, and there's things the church, not as the whole entity, but all of us, need from you. So for the person who's like, "Well, I don't get very much out of it, or I'm not sure, it's like, well, have you thought about coming to give? And I don't just mean stopping at the offering boxes and dropping something in there, though that's good and important too. And as we think about gathering on a Sunday, it's like, okay, maybe here's a way I need to be prayed for and encouraged. What about that other person who's walking in saying, I'm the person who needs to be prayed for and encouraged today. And you can actually be both of those people on the same Sunday, right? Where it's like, I need to be prayed for, I need to be encouraged, And oh, you need that too. And I'm going to give that gift to you and pray for and encourage you. There are times we bring the meal, times we receive the meal. Times we speak the encouraging word and hear the encouraging word. Times we cry and pray with someone and times they cry and pray with us. And sometimes both of those at the same time. So for those of us who would say, yeah, this is my church. By God's grace, let's own it together. Let's be partners together. Uh, Ed Welch has a great book, Side by Side, that I actually just finished reading with some of you and read with several of you um, a few years ago. And in it, he has a section where he's kind of filling out the concept of how God welcomes us. And because of how God welcomes us, we are called to welcome one another. And here's here's part of what he says there. And he's thinking about Sundays particularly and how we greet people on Sundays and who we greet on Sundays. Now, in some ways, it's like, okay, I can get around to everybody, right? But even at a church our size, you probably are not going to have a meaningful conversation or maybe even a hello with everyone who is in here today. And so if you're in, if you say, this is my church, I'm here, he gives a little like, taxonomy, almost. He gives a a priority list to think about how we approach people and engage people, even when we gather on Sundays. This is just a suggestion. This is not Bible, okay? He says, we cannot greet everyone, so here's how we prioritize, and here's his list. The visitor, what scripture called the foreigner or alien, comes first. So the person you're like, I know for sure You say, well, I haven't been here that long. I don't know for sure. It's like, well, go ahead and say, I don't know if I've seen you before. What's your name? My name is, okay? So now we're back to quoting. The visitor comes first. The visitor who returns comes next. It's like, hey, I think I saw you a couple weeks ago. I'm so glad you were here. So I'm I'm still not sure. It's like, well, just if you're going to miss, like miss on the side of like, hi, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Okay. Next, the less popular, the introverts, the marginalized, or those sitting alone come next. Then come the children. Jesus singles them out as examples of the marginalized. And then he says, Hi, blank, is offered to as many people as possible, which doesn't have to be accompanied by a hug or handshake. And he goes on to say, good friends are interspersed through these greetings, but they are left for later if time is short. A reasonable application of Scripture is to greet one person we don't know or don't know well every time we gather with others in the body of Christ. And if we feel a little awkward, he says, all the better. Some people are naturals at moving toward others, greeting them and striking up a conversation. Most of us are not. So we pray that we will share in this feature of God's character. We move toward others, not because we can do these things with ease, but because of Jesus. And that's the end of his quote there. You can find that in his book, Side by Side. Now, part of the difficulty comes when you say, I've only been coming here for a couple months. I don't know who else is new and who's not. And sometimes that happens, right? And, I, and I'm like, oh no. Not, not really in a bad way, but I'll see like two people who like, they don't know each other, and they don't really know anybody else, and they've both been coming for a very short time, and they're near each other, right? And they both can be thinking, what an unfriendly church, <laughs> right? And it's like, and I'm glad they're both there. And so what should we be doing in that moment? Other people in other rows should be finding and welcoming and encouraging. And I know it's tricky because a bunch of you have a bunch of kids. That you have to chase down really fast after we're done, and I don't know if we'll be able to come up with a solution for that. But if we can, we want to find ways to move toward and encourage one another and not just find, here's the people I'm comfortable with. Now, you may not know this about me because you see me talk a lot and I'm welcoming new people. That is actually hard uh, for me, just personality-wise. So... Um, Like true confession time. I'm an introvert. I actually like being quiet and alone. And you're like, that can't be true. You're just gonna have to trust me, okay? Um, Now, thankfully, this is one of my places, right? That's that's, and not that I own it or I'm in charge, but it's it's my place where I'm enough. It's kind of like Chick Fil A. I'm there enough where I feel like it's mine, even though I don't even work at Chick-fil-A. I just go there enough that they're like, hey, where's your friend today? It's like, no, I just came by myself. It's okay. (laughs) Seriously, that did happen like two weeks ago. So I'm comfortable enough, and it's like, okay, we're going to do that. So I say that to encourage those of you who might hear that and go, yeah, but I'm just, there's people who that's there. You talked about spiritual gifts a minute ago. That one's definitely not mine. Whatever one has to do with going and finding people and welcoming them is not mine, not my gift. Well, the neat thing is is it's not about gifts. uh, And even most of those gifts are also commands, right? So be merciful. It's not just for the person who has the gift of mercy. Welcome one another is not a gift. It's a command, so it's not like, I'm especially made for this. It's like, no, we're, we're all made for this. Why? Because we have been welcomed by Christ. That is the ground of our welcome. Not our personality, but Christ and what he has done for us. So let us, by God's grace, welcome one another into the family, week after week after week. So we should be intentionally connected to a local church. And then just briefly here, talk about connection with other churches. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 1, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so we are thrilled to have some partnerships in the gospel, fellowship in the gospel with other churches. And we actually have a few different types of connections to other churches. And before we go to those, I want to run through some New Testament references that demonstrate the connections between churches that was already happening in the first century. Because you might go, you know, well, we have a great church. We have a good pastoral team. You know, we have enough to think of ourselves. Why should we spend any time figuring out how to relate to other churches, you know, other churches are just going to mess things up. You know, you read like church news, like I don't want to, don't want to be connected to them or them or them. But the thing we're pretending there is that we're always going to get it right. That we're the one church that has figured it out and we're doing the right thing. Now, oh, no, 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 that's not what I mean. But I don't, right? So we are not the one church that has it all right, and we are not the one church that will always do what is right. Now we want to. We want to, but it'd be foolish to pretend that we are the one church that always gets it right. And so, now some things are different from the New Testament era, right? We don't have the apostles uh, who have been personally commissioned by Jesus. They're not around today that I'm aware of. But we are in the same era, the time between the times of Jesus' coming And coming again. So in Acts 15, we see the Jerusalem council. Where there's a big question. What does it mean for Gentiles, non-Jews, to be able to be thought of as Christians? What do they need to do to join this new community? And the council convened. And there were representatives from different churches. And cases made. And the word brought into the story. And a decision rendered that then went out to all the churches here is what we have said, and here is what you need to do or not do. So there's the Jerusalem council. We see in Titus 1, uh, Titus had learned from Paul, traveled with Paul, and then was left in Crete on an island there. And Paul tells him to appoint elders in every town. You know, no, we call our own elders, and we do. I'm just bringing up the principle that there were people who weren't part of the church. He was doing this for multiple churches who all would have been joined together, in that case, by his leadership. In the letter to the Philippians and in the, in the letters to the Corinthians, there's partnership expressed in giving, giving to other churches, right? Sometimes to Paul so that he could keep going with the gospel. So supporting those who are doing church planting work, but also giving to churches that are in need. Churches that need help. He went around collecting money for the churches and the church of Jerusalem that was in a time of famine. Even that we have the letters of the New Testament, that they exist is an expression of partnership. It's someone talking to other churches. And then even sometimes within those letters, we see expressions of partnership. At the end of the letter to the Colossians, in Colossians 4, Paul says, and when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Now, we don't have that letter as part of our Bible, but we do have a letter that's part of our Bible that says this isn't meant just for you. Yeah, it's meant for you, but also read it at that other church that you're related to, and read the letter that gets sent to them too. Also, and this is where it gets a little bit scary, we actually see Paul get involved with a local church discipline situation in his letters to the Corinthians, right? He tells them in 1 Corinthians 5, I've heard that something is happening among you guys that even the world would think is bad and you need to fix this. It needs to be stopped. That person needs to be disciplined. And then we see in 2 Corinthians Paul talking, we believe, about that same situation that says this it says what he's what has happened is enough, and you need to welcome that person back into your community. Now, again, that was a somewhat unique day. Paul received direct commission from Jesus to do what he was doing. So there's no one person who would jump into a difficulty here and have authority, have jurisdiction to tell us what's going on. No one person would do that just because they're above us because we don't have anything like that. But part of what we can see from this is that a local church can get important things wrong. And we believe it's helpful and wise to have others who are available and able to help us get things right. So again, in our case, it's never one person who can just drop in and tell us what to do. And then say, oh, that's enough. Now you need to do that. It's not like that but we do get help with that. That particular help comes through Trinity Fellowship Churches, our denomination that we mention every week and we pray for this this week we prayed for the general assembly our meeting that we're going to this week. Usually we pray for one of the churches that's part of Trinity Fellowship Churches. We do have accountability there. Just like individually you need the accountability that comes from a local church, there may be times where we need accountability from a group of churches where we're saying we've agreed to these certain things. We're going to teach this doctrine We're going to have these practices and then if what we're teaching or doing is out of line with what we've committed to, there are people who can come to us and say, this is not how it should be done. And there are orders for that. It's not just like a person can say it and then it happens. Right There's a way that that gets done. But that's a safety for us as a church, for you as members of this church. If there's a way that the, the elders, the pastors of this church, wrong you like so like take a, a church discipline situation gone bad we 're disciplining this person you 're saying i i didn 't do the thing they 're saying that i 'm doing or what they 're doing is way out of line with what should happen there 's actually a way that you can appeal again it 's not going to be one person it 's going to be a group of people who would review like facts of the case right which gets to in in the letters to the Corinthians again, where Paul's saying, don't go to the the world and have them decide things. You guys need to be able to do this. And so we need to be able to do this in the church, but we also get help from others in the church that we know we have significant agreement with. We're not coming from a whole different direction on these things. We get help when we need help. We hope that this would never be the case, but what if there was division even among our pastoral team? There's four of us, and you go, that's a lot. That's great. And it is. It's way better than one, because then it'd be kind of like, whatever I decide, everyone has to live with. And it's like, that's not cool. That's not the way that things should be. We never want one person to have that. But even with four, right, things can go wrong. And if there was a moment where it's like, Richie and I, as the guys in the office, really want to do one thing— And Aaron and Danny are the guys like working every day out in their jobs and loving their families and leading the church while doing that. And they see it just totally differently. we are like, no, this is the right thing. No, this is the right thing. And we're like, the fact that you don't want to do this shows you don't really love God. That was dramatic. (laughs) And they're going, no, the fact that you're pushing this is your abusive leadership. Now what? Where do we go from there? Or even if it's one of us against the three, but the one is like very sure they are taking the last stand for righteousness on the earth. What do we do then? It's good for us to be able to pick up a phone and say, can you get here and help us? We need some help. And those are the kinds of things that can happen because we have people that we know will pick up the phone and will come, because we are meaningfully connected to them. Now, God forbid that that particular thing ever happens, but there's a whole lot of things that never happen in churches, that should never happen in churches, that do. And our partnership is what helps us be prepared for that. It doesn't turn us into a perfect church, But it gives us a shot at ultimately getting things right. And by God's grace, that is what we want to do. And so for us, extra local connection takes a few forms. You may notice, if you're here for even more than a couple weeks, we pray for the same two churches every Sunday, and those are churches right here near us, still in the Northeast even, that we have started by God's grace in the last 10 years, and we pray for them. We encourage them, especially Frankfurt as they were planted uh, in 2018. Uh, We support them, and we're there for them, and they know they can count on us because we have that relationship with them. We pray for them every week. We're also officially, and this is what we were talking about a moment ago, part of a small denomination called Trinity Fellowship Churches. We pray for one of those partners every Sunday, or in this case, um, the General Assembly this week. Richie, Aaron, and I are going. Jimmy's coming along too as an observer to the meetings this week. So please pray for us as we go, as we work together for the strength and health of all our churches this week. So it's through Trinity Fellowship or TFC that we have that additional accountability to help with sticky situations as necessary. Now, also, I know that the word denomination can be scary depending on your background, right? You go like, wait, and I've had people ask this. We were getting a new dishwasher years ago, and the guy who was putting it in, he's Catholic, and he was trying to help me. To, he knew I was a pastor. He was trying to help me decide whether we should just fix it, and it might break again in a couple of years, or whether we should get a new one and spend a lot more money. And his question was, how long's your assignment here? That's how he wanted me to decide. It's like, if you're leaving in a year, just fix it. Which isn't very loving to the next person, but who cares? I'll be gone, right? And it's like, well, it doesn't, that's not going to help me like, make this particular decision. I just really need to know if it's going to be better to get a new one or fix the old one because that's not how we roll, right? There's, so there's no group out there that decides, like, Aaron's a great guy, and now he's going over there, right? That is not how that works. Now, it doesn't mean the Lord will never call someone away from here, and those of you who've been here for years, that was the big concern. Like, even when I started doing the membership class back in 2014, it's like, denomination can't come and take Ian away, can they? It's like, no, they can't. No, they can't. No, they can't. And then it's like, oh, there's a need. Oh, and it's the spirit working in Ian's heart. That stinks. Right? (laughs) And the guy that we were scared of losing went away. And God did good work through him. And it was God's plan. And we're okay. Because our family is not about one person. And it didn't change on that day from being about Ian to being about me. That's not what happened because that's not how God works in his church. The one man we need is Jesus. And if we ever get confused about that, we need to come back here and see, right? That's not what it's about. It is still true, though, that there's no group of people who can just decide that one of us is going somewhere else. That is true. And we own our own building and property, so all our assets are ours. So if, we, if there was for some reason, and those of you who were with us a few years ago know there could be some reason that arises where we need to not be in a denomination that we were in previously. Um, we don't have to worry in that decision-making process about losing our building and figuring out where we're going to meet you know, next week after the denomination uh, confiscates all our stuff because the denomination cannot confiscate all our stuff. We own all our own stuff. It belongs to us. Um, and it's a voluntary partnership. So we, it is real. It is meaningful. Um, but it is something that if we're seeing other churches going the way they shouldn't go and they won't listen, that we can Uh, walk away from if we need to, but we think it's wise to be formally partnered with other churches for mutual encouragement, shared wisdom, accountability, and for mission. Another layer is that we also have other churches that we relate to in the area, and so there's another category where we pray for a church in our city or near our city. Um, So our ultimate connection is with Christ through the gospel, and that's our connection to one another. So we pray for other churches in our city and the surrounding area. So even this Sunday, we prayed for Trinity Community Church in Abington. And we prayed for them, and we keep in touch with them. In fact, a week from today, one expression of that partnership will be that Josh Hurst, who was here several years ago and went out in 2017 to help that church that was struggling after losing their initial planter, and several people uh, followed them out there and are there serving together now. Josh Hurst is scheduled to be here next Sunday to preach for us, and so we're really looking forward to having him back, and that is an expression of partnership, expression of fellowship. Now, they're they're not part of Trinity Fellowship churches. They should be, right? We should talk to them about that. They're not part of Trinity Fellowship churches, and that's fine. It's not like, well, no, we have our denomination, and that's it. We don't talk to anybody else. It's like, no, there are other churches locally around us. We don't go, we're we're the one of our kind of church, so we're the one church doing the right things, believing the right things, doing it the right way. No, there are lots of churches right around us that believe the gospel, that are preaching the gospel, that are trying to love God and their neighbors well. Um, Another example of that that's not a church but happens uh, in Mayfair is Grow Northeast where there's so many of you who are serving there week after week, giving up your time and your gifts to help welcome those from the nations who are coming to us and welcoming them as neighbors. We also have international partners and that's another category that we pray for every week. So this week we prayed for the church in little, little, pika pika, right? Tiny, tiny And it is. We say it's a small village, and it is a small village. I've been there more than once, and it's just one little street, and the church is at the end of the street, uh, and there's a vibrant community of believers there who are trusting in Christ and holding on day by day. They're in the the mountainous region of San Cristobal in the Dominican Republic, and it's our joy to be partnered with them. And then along with them, we got to help plant a new church that we're supporting uh, every month, Uh, but also with encouragement uh, in Santo Domingo, uh, that Ciudad de Gracia that was started this year in January. I know my Spanish accent's really bad. I'll have uh, someone else come and do that next time. They just call themselves Grace City Church. They're like, we think you'll really like our name. Is it okay if it's like, yeah, that's fine. We're not the first Grace City Church, and I'm sure we won't be the last. But we are joyfully connected with other churches, doing more than we can do. Around the world with the gospel. In all of these relationships, we're able to do more than we could ever do. We learn from one another. We lean on one another for support, and we get to rejoice in what God is doing. Because sometimes we can just get focused here, like individually. That can happen. I'm just focused on myself, and not even aware of what's happening with other people. It Can happen for us as a church. How's our church doing? And we think like the whole world is going exactly like our church is going. So if it's going well, Christianity's great. If we feel like it's going poorly, like, is God doing anything in the world? And the answer is, yes, he is. He is doing way more than he is doing right here. And so we get to rejoice in what God is doing. As we're reminded that he's at work, not only in our corner of Philadelphia, but all over the world for his glory. So we should be meaningfully connected to Christ's church. Why would you want to be formally connected with a church? Why would you want to be part of a church that's formally connected to other churches? We can do more together than we can separately. We can learn from one another. We can lean on one another and we get to rejoice in what God is doing all over the world for his glory. So by his grace, this is what we get to be a part of. Not because of us, not because we're good, not because we figured it out. We are God's people. We are Christ's bride. We are God's family. We are Christ's body, worshiping the Lord on mission for Jesus, maturing together in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you that you have saved us and made us yours and made us one with you and with one another. Would you work that out by your grace in our lives more and more through the power of your Holy Spirit until Jesus comes again. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.